0: Um, So I'm very, very happy to be here. My name is Sheila. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Michael, for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. And um, I love Overeaters Anonymous. I love Overeaters Anonymous. I've been here since 1988, and I was a slipper for about a dozen years. And all that means is that I just wasn't done. I just wasn't done with the food. That's all it is. It took me a long time to get that a long time in abstinence um, to understand that because I thought I'd done something wrong or or it was some kind of a moral failing or wasn't working the steps quite enough or was being punished by God. any of the myriad things flying through my head to try and explain why it is that I I couldn't come in here and get abstinent right away. And um, I. I'm Sober and Alcoholics Anonymous, and I was there for about three months, and I turned to somebody next to me, and I said, do you think you can have a problem with food like you do with sugar? She said, absolutely, go to Overeaters Anonymous. And I went to my first OA meeting, and had I taken the direction that I got in that first meeting, I perhaps wouldn't have slipped for the dozen years that I, that I did, because what she directed me to do is um, is figure out if there was a problem food that I had right because I'd gone to an OA meeting at 11 a.m and I knew how it worked in Alcoholics Anonymous you don't drink alcohol so I figured in Overeaters Anonymous I guess you don't eat so I showed up at this OA meeting at 11 a.m and I hadn't eaten breakfast so the meeting's over about 12 12 15 and we're talking afterwards and I remember she was this beautiful African-American woman who had a doctorate in accounting She was just finishing, and I was so impressed with that because I was in the seventh year of my four-year undergraduate degree. (laughs) So I just just thought it was amazing, right? So I I was going to listen to anything she had to say. She said, do you have a problem with food? I said, sugar, most definitely, and I weighed about 200 pounds. I weigh about 135 now, and um, uh, I said, definitely sugar. She said, do you think you could not eat sugar today and just eat three meals? I said, well... I'm not sure. And I'm assuming, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt, I'm assuming we went on to talk about the steps. I'm, I'm sure the conversation went that way. And even if it didn't, it would have been my responsibility, because I knew how this worked. I was in another 12-step program, and I got a sponsor right away and started working the steps, because that was, you were directed to do that in the Midwest. And um, so even if she and I didn't have that conversation, I knew how this worked. But I remember going out and getting in my car, driving someplace and going in and having a normal, conventional breakfast meal. And it was the first time I could ever remember having that breakfast meal and it just kind of being a a comfortable situation where I was just eating the meal in front of me. And I remember going out to my car, sitting in my car, and I thought, three meals a day and no sugar. No. No got to be more complicated than that (laughs) and I proceeded to complicate it for the next dozen years that's what I did now here's the thing here was the great great direction that I got from the first OA sponsor that I got within a, a couple of weeks and she said I don't care what you eat you're just going to work the steps no matter what and be honest with me about your food that was the first piece of direction I got so I started cycling through those steps. And again, remember, I came in at 200 pounds and I was the youngest of of five children. um, My oldest brother's deceased. He died of diabetes at 36 because in addition to his diabetes, he had an eating disorder just like I did, could not stop his sugar consumption. And it took him out. My mother got diagnosed with diabetes at 66, died at 68, Uh, same thing, right? And um, at any rate, I, um, I just uh, uh, work for the steps. I am a good foot soldier, right? I do not argue with sponsors or cops. So when my sponsor said, <laughs> right? So when my sponsor said, work the steps, be honest about your food, you're safe here. That's a very important component, remember that. We'll get to that later, I hope we have time for that. But she said, you're safe. You don't need to lie about your food and um and so I did and I started working the steps and within two years and I couldn't put down the sugar wasn't done was not done and I wasn't what that means is I wasn't ready to feel the feelings that are going to come up when you start putting down the things that you are using to do what cope with the feelings right that's part of my spiritual malady is I don't know how to be in the the human experience right I don't know how to have 12 and 12 tells me I don't know how to have a a a normal relationship a healthy relationship with another human being right that's all part of it because so if I can't be connected with you how evolved can I be really right it all starts making sense as you You go deeper and deeper here over time. And again, because I got, this all happened for me in the Midwest, we were largely influenced by the program of Bob Smith from Ohio, and his, that philosophy was of those people, you keep cycling through the steps over and over again. In contrast to the New York people, who, uh, Bill's people, who said you go through the steps one time and then cycle through 10, 11, and 12. Right. Both are doing it right. Both convinced that the other group is doing it wrong. Right. Because that's kind of the nature of this. But again, so that was my thing being from Michigan. So I just did what my sponsor told me to do. Kept going through the steps. And my dad had three overweight daughters and he didn't like it. He was very vocal about it. And he would be vocal publicly. It wasn't like he'd kind of pull you aside and say, you know, maybe you want to lose a few pounds. He'd do it at family events. Right. Say things very shaming. Shame is a big, big part of my story. And I was also molested when I was a kid. So, you know, again, the, the shame just, you know, it was a huge, huge part of my life. And um, but within two years of working the steps, not putting down the sugar, not abstinence, because I decided or my sponsor and I had decided that that would probably be abstinence for me since sugar was a huge, huge problem for me. I have a filling in just about every molar in my mouth. I copious amounts of sugar. Um, I'd lost 20 pounds, so I was down to 180. And I was at a family event, and I'd walked by my father. I was 26 years old at the time. And, again, other family members around, 10, 12 people around. And I walked by him, and he said, well, he said, uh, I see you've lost a little bit of weight, but you've got a lot more to go, so don't let up. And I turned around, and I said, no more. That's it. It's over. You do not talk to me about my body anymore. It's over. And everybody in my family kind of like, oh, mom.
1: Because
0: nobody ever did that. And it wasn't disrespectful. I kind of met fire with fire, right? It wasn't even really fire. It was kind of, you know, burning embers maybe with burning embers, right? But um, my dad never, never was unkind to me about my weight ever again. And um, a couple years later, when I ended up in an eating disorder unit out here in Southern California, that was how I got here, um, my dad came out and took responsibility, right, in a room full of angry women encircling him, right? (laughs) Right? Or in chairs in the middle, right? I've done the bataka thing before we got there, right? So um, he took complete responsibility, but he never confronted me again afterwards, never said anything unkind to me about my weight. Now, nobody could ever tell me that that isn't recovery. That was absolutely recovery. That through that process of working those steps, even though I hadn't put down the food. Why? I wasn't ready to put down the food. that um, I hadn't experienced recovery because clearly I had. Because I was able to confront respectfully the, the man who should have taught me that I was a beautiful princess, right? That my value had nothing to do with what I weighed. But he couldn't do that. Why? He didn't have it. Nothing was being withheld from me. I wasn't being punished. It wasn't that he didn't love me. He didn't have it in his bag. He didn't have it. Right? So, um, but years down the road at some point I don't know if it was when I was after I was abstinent or whatever I don't know if I pitched it at a meeting somewhere I must have alluded to that story because somebody came up to me afterwards well meaning I'm assuming I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and she said you you can't work the steps if you're not abstinent that's you can't do that you shouldn't No, you can't do that (laughs) and um, I don't know how you argue with somebody's experience right you can't argue with somebody's experience and all I knew is I followed the direction that my sponsor gave me and I have three overeaters anonymous sponsors because that was another thing you were directed to do in the midwest is get three sponsors and um, and I I've heard later people talk about playing sponsors against one another I mean it's not like you're going to radically get a sponsor who's going to say yeah go try oreos again right yeah fill the bowl full of m&ms i'm sure it'll work this time you know you you get spiritually evolved people they're all kind of on the same wavelength and and um and i need every sponsor that i have i just i mean quite frankly it takes a village so um um but this one sponsor that i have i I got her about a year ago and she required me to go to four to five oa meetings a week and i said really because 'Cause I'm in the mother program and I'm, you know, been in Al Anon for thirty years and I do that too, are you sure? I'm I'm thinking I think we need to rethink this. And she said, <laughs> No, I think you need to rethink it <laughs> And um four to five meetings and you know, you might as well get three commitments. And, oh and I said, At OA? And she said, Yeah and I said, Really? I said, 'Cause I've got an AA commitment and an Al Anon commitment. That's gonna be five and she said okay then that's going to be five and so again because I don't argue right I'm just I'm a doer I'm a worker bee here and um, because she required me to go to all those meetings I started seeking out other OA meetings I hadn't gone to so this is about a year and a half ago and I went to a wonderful meeting that happens on on Sunday morning small one and they read the OA 12 and 12 which I hadn't been in that book in a while I have it and you know I've done that workbook uh, you know three four times over the years and um We were on step three and got to page, we were on 30 and 31 reading it, and at the bottom of page 30, and it wraps around to the top of 31, and I'm paraphrasing, it says something like this. We think it's probably a good idea that you would be abstinent before you start doing the four step. However, perhaps doing the four step, right, and getting moving with this is actually going to be what really motivates you and gets you to the point where you feel like you can put down the food. Page 30 and 31. And I thought, there it is right there. Now, that book was written in 1992. So that was before my sponsor would have had this conversation with me in 1988, which is when I came in Overeaters Anonymous. So I thought, well, there's the divinity of the message coming through, because somewhere she got this idea that just work the steps. Just work the steps. The food is going to take care of itself. Look, if I can't get my own food sorted out on my own, what would make me think I could get a sponsor's food sorted out? What in the world would make me think that I could do that, that I have that information? That is so above my pay grade. I can't do that. But what I can do as a sponsor is I can create a very safe place for somebody where they can be honest with their food and I can... Give them direction and the the, the loving motivation to keep moving. Because I work with chronic slippers exclusively in this program and in the mother program, I always say I want the sponsee that nobody else wants, right? I want the pissed off person in the back of the room who feels like they have not been invited to the party. That is right in my wheelhouse. I teach middle school part-time. I'm used to pissed off people. (laughs) right who feel like i got nothing to offer so i get that i really really get it and it's it's not hard there's no hard or you know abrasiveness or anything like that people who have never been sponsored by me i think Based on the conversations I, I overhear, and, you know, people kind of tell me and stuff, and we kind of do it in a funny way, but I, people have a sense that, I, you know, oh I mean, I remember hearing somebody say, well, I walked by a guy one time, he said, oh, you better, you better get it together, he said, or, or else you're going to have to be sponsored by Sheila. I thought, I said, what? What did you say? And, you know, so, but anybody who's ever been sponsored by me, it, it does not go like that. But here's the thing. If you've just been in the sugar, and I just talked with somebody this week, who's, you know, struggling, for years, decades, right? If somebody, if I sponsor somebody who's only been here five years banging their head against the wall, that's a short amount of time. Usually these are the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 year people, who just banging their head against the wall. And I do not have a messianic complex. There is nothing I can do as a sponsor that anybody else can't do. However, it is really valuable, the experience we have here. And I know what was going on for me when I was slipping. So I I can bring that to the table, and that's some some useful information. And that was why I started doing workshops and things. To teach people who don't have that experience, because there are some people, right? Raise your hand if you're somebody who came in the room and you got abstinent right away. You're one of them. (laughs) Yep, there they are, right? Uh, Right? So those people don't know what it means to slip and I found some things that have been very useful well that's what we do here right we come here and Victor says well this worked for me and John says this worked for me and Ellie and and Miriam and you know every we've all got that we all contribute that's what the pitching is about oh I'm going to try that that worked. you know that's cool great we'll do that so I was a slipper so I found some things that work very very well and um, the biggest thing is is you've got to get moving I just had a long, an hour long conversation with somebody last night. I do not know who this woman is. She got my phone number from somewhere, calling you know from far away. And we had a wonderful, glorious conversation, and she was so loving and so open, and just just I think she's very, very ready. And we talked about how you're probably going to have to do something that up to this point you haven't been doing. If you've been here for a long time and you're either not abstinent you and your sponsor you know that's your absence is between you your sponsor and god and you're not abstinent or you're not at the weight that feels comfortable for you or you know whatever isn't coming together for you because the food isn't the problem it would be great if weighing 200 pounds had been my biggest problem because then you you lose the weight and problem solved right it doesn't go like that that wasn't my problem my problem was right here. I don't want to come too close because there's a microphone there. But this was my problem, right? Not my left breast, my heart. Right? <laughs> so this was my problem. I do not love easily and I do not forgive easily. Still. Somebody just did something goofy when I was driving here. And it's like, mm-hmm, Right? Even if it's not that, even if I don't, you know, growl and grumble the way I used to, but if it's that, "Mm mm-hmm, that's a problem, right? The head wag. That's a problem because somewhere I've decided you're doing it wrong. That's my disease. That's the pathology right there that I want to judge you. I don't have any information about you, but I've decided you're doing it wrong. That doesn't work. So the reason that I want to try and help people get get abstinent, if you want to weigh a certain amount or be a certain size or do whatever, okay, sure, I can help you. I I can I can help you if you will do the only thing that that you have, we have to contribute to God, right? Or big love, as one of my sponsors calls it, or electricity as somebody else calls it, that I know in program. Because he says that electrical outlet in the wall, if he takes his wife's hairdryer, dips the cord in water, sticks it in the wall, he'll experience a power greater than himself. (laughs) So, whatever you call it, G-O-D, get outdoors. Whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I just want you to know that there's something so much better than food and the 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 transformation that happened to my body is the least interesting transformation that happened to me here the absolute least interesting transformation I struggle with intimacy for obvious reasons given what happened to me in childhood but because I kept going through these steps over and over again you you have to deal and what does that mean I don't have my glasses on okay I've got five left very good. Thank you. Um, um, okay. So I've lost my thoughts. so I'll grab something else. What? Intimacy. Yeah. Okay. Very, very good. Intimacy and memory, I think. I struggle with <laughs> So... Um, because i have close relationships with sponsors right where i call as a general rule with my sponsors i call at a particular time and we're going to talk for for a certain amount of of minutes on the phone and we're going to do that however many days during the course of a week i've i've learned how to connect more effectively and because my sponsor doesn't suggest outreach calls my sponsor requires them these are all things that i do with my sponsees and again i say this There's lots of boats in the harbor. Anybody can get you where you want to be. Anybody in this room who's an available sponsor, raise your hand. Look, there's a lot of available sponsors in the room. We all know that. The people listening don't know. But there were a lot of people that raised their hand. Anyway, so anybody can get you where you want to be. Lots and lots of boats in the harbor. I'm a red boat. If you get in my boat, presumably you got in my boat because you want what I have. I mean... With all due respect, I don't want what you have. So, <laughs> no, and I say that lovingly, but I don't. And so uh, we're not going to do it your way. We're going to do it my way. And again, it's not because I'm a control freak or a shrew or, or a drill sergeant or anything like that. It's, you know, it, it's not that. It's I, all I can share with you is what has worked for me what has worked for countless people that i sponsored and if you decide right i always tell people that because you got to do this with chronic slippers because chronic slippers are chronic victims and chronic liars they just are and i'm not speaking from a spiritual hilltop i am one and i have that capacity to uh be a victim and um and uh, be a liar it's right there at the ready that's why I need to keep staying here and do all the work that I have to do. But um, if you decide, you're in my boat, and you decide, you know what, this isn't a fit. I don't want to make three live outreach calls a day. I don't want to uh, do uh, reading and writing every single day, every single day. I don't want to report my food, either at the end of the night or ahead of time. And if you're going to rep- be reporting your food, you're going to have to be a whammer. You're going to have to weigh and measure to some extent. Because we gotta track this, we've gotta figure this out. I mean if you weigh two hundred and fifty pounds and you don't want to, and you've been doing this for twenty years, you're gonna probably have to do something you haven't done up to this point. And if you haven't been recording your food or acknowledging your food to a sponsor, because there are a lot of people in OA that do that, who have a sponsor and their sponsor they don't tell they say, No, I don't tell my sponsor what I eat. I say, Really? they say, yeah, I, I don't understand that. Again, not my business. Hard-carrying Al-Anon member, not my business. But I don't understand it because I have an issue with food. So I've got to let somebody know what I'm eating, and I've got to pay attention. Because you, you can't say I had a cheeseburger and a bag of Doritos for lunch. I don't know, did you get that bag of Doritos at 7-Eleven or Costco? We gotta, we gotta figure this out, right? We gotta figure this out. And again, there's no judgment. There's nothing to judge here. If you weigh three hundred pounds, if you eat a Costco bag of Doritos, there's nothing to judge here. It's all about an attempt to deal with the pain. I've got a, I stubbed my toe. And it hurts so much, I can't stand it. I'm going to hit my thumb with a hammer. That makes all the sense in the world to me. That's what it's about. So there's nothing to judge here. It's not a moral issue to be a size 18. It's not. It's not a moral issue. However, if you want to move from here to here, take take my hand and, and let me tell you what worked for me. And again, if you're in the boat and you decide, I don't want to do this, Again, any boat in the harbor will, will help you. I always tell people that. Let's get, out, let's get you out of my boat. And no, you don't need to jump back in the water. Remember, you were in the water, and the shar- sharks are circling, and they're hungry. You're chum. So we got you in the boat. You don't want to be in the boat anymore. Hang on. Hang on. Get your light belt on. Hang on. Shut up. I'm going <laughs> to row you us over to another boat. I'm going to hold your hand, because I'm a rowboat, while you're getting on the sailboat or getting on the speedboat, right? Thank you. And, and hopefully you're going to have heard what I said about outreach calls, and you're going to be giving me loving outreach calls, right? That's how we support one another. I got that. Turn that off, please. Yeah. Um, so... Um, <laughs> So anyway, that, you know, that, that's what we get to that's what I know, baby, that's what we get to do for one another It's just really love each other and, and support each other. And um, that's what this is about is love for me, love and forgiveness. That's the deal. So, uh, and then when I love and forgive, it's a natural um, outgrowth to serve you. So thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure.) <clears throat> This is the time for uh, questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Uh, please remember, if you do ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay, and I'll restate those questions after you ask them. Anybody have any? Yes, C D. Oh, is that okay? I said your name. Thank you.
1: Uh, question: uh, We didn't speak much about God, your relationship with God. Can we discuss a little if you like to, uh, how your life has changed, your relationship with God has changed before and after the program?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. It's a big question. Uh, his question is about God talking about God my ideas thank you for that reminder um, uh, talking about my ideas about God and and how that's changed in program that is such a big question Steve next question
1: <laughs>
0: um, uh, yeah so I had a lot of fear around God I I I um had a lot of fear around God raised in, in my uh, Catholic faith, and I love the Catholic faith. Have great respect for that human institution with divine aspirations that screws up, right, as most of them do. And how could they not? Human institution, divine aspirations, but just ended up with a lot of fear. So it's been a real process, Steve, over time that um, I have... Um, um, use different ideas of God for instance that was kind of what I did in the beginning because I needed to get away from that that fearful concept because that's why I struggled with taking a third step how can I turn my will and my life over to something that I'm so afraid of so we kind of started with imagery initially and I you know for a long time I needed to use an African African American man as my image of God because I'd been molested by a White man, and had my father, who'd always been giving me so much trouble over the over the years about my weight. So I needed to take, you know, the, kind of the, the paternal idea of God and make him African American, make it radically different. So that was my first incarnation. Um, at, at another point in time, I used Glinda the Good Witch from The Wizard of Oz. No, it worked. I was actually in London at a meeting, and I pitched that. And I kid you not. A guy walked up to me afterwards and handed me a, a, a clear plexiglass, like magic wand. It had glitter and hearts and stuff in it. and. He's walking away, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. you know, what? I was weird, but um, so that, and then, um, you know, different things, and then done the communications, you know, you write a classified ad, I just had somebody direct me um, to write qualities of God, write adjectives, so I'm, I'm still in the midst of it, I'm about 80% there with the idea of a loving God, there are still old fears in my head, and um, perhaps that's what faith is about. You know, I always kind of want the, the road to be right here where I just, you know, step. There's a road and I'm stepping. Maybe i got to step or jump and just, just trust. So that, that's where I'm at right now, right? So I haven't gotten it, but I'm getting it in terms of a loving idea of God. Just unreserved uh, loving idea of God. Not there yet, but that's all right. All right. Please. Um, thanks for your
1: share. I have so many questions. Do. Um, you mentioned you had three OA sponsors. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned that you come from the school of re- recycling through all of the steps. Mm-hmm. So my question is, um, do you still? Are you still in that school of recycling? And how? How are the three sponsors different? Do they different things? Do they all end the same thing? You
0: just need the three How does that work? They do. That's an excellent question. They do, and yes, I am still cycling through the steps, and they're are kind of all on board as a general rule with where I'm at. And the reality is, I'm kind of a second step. So um, the the one um, she gives me real clear direction, and it's good that it's good to have somebody who's she's got a lot more abstinence than I do. Um, and she's just very no-nonsense. And her expectation is that when I ask her, when she asks me to do something, that it's going to be done. And that's a really that's really good for me to have um, somebody who's having those kind of expectations because I, I know other people have experienced this, people with long-term abstinence in this program and in others sometimes. It's hard to find people who will sponsor you and kind of, you know, put you in the back seat, right? Because I, I need to have somebody who's going to put me in the back seat, Um Because I like to be in the front seat. And quite frankly, I should probably be in the front seat. Really, I should be driving. I should sponsor you. I should tell you how to sponsor me. That's what I should do. And you'd be surprised how many people let me get away with that. She does not. So that's what I really love about her. She says, no, get in the back seat. Get buckled up. Shut up. And just do what I'm asking you to do. In a loving way. The shut up is... I got this I got this fall in my arms I'm dragging you to the winning side I'm driving you baby I got this. and and so that's what she does for me the other guy is a wonderful uh man up in uh Sacramento and he is very generous with his time you know we'll be on the phone for 30 to 40 minutes three times a week he's just very generous and he's got a wonderful long-term relationship uh, with his husband and just has a lot of things going on and knows how to do things that I don't know how to do in terms of how to be out there in life as a glorious member of Overeaters Anonymous and he's you know he's just got a couple of years but he has what I want and very committed to service does a lot of things he's I think chair of their board up there and things real, real cool guy and then um, my third woman it's just this lovely sweet anorexic she's a former ballerina like we have nothing in common right and um, I just she's so loving and warm and sweet and kind and I just I, I need that. I need, I didn't, my mother was an angry, troubled, troubled woman. And my parents are deceased and I love my parents and they gave me everything that they had. But I I love kind of bathing in that, just that sweet, loving kindness. So that's what I get from her.
1: you work the
0: steps to the first ones I do. And I'll read the stuff to the other ones and, you know, yeah. Yep. Please, in the back.
1: Uh, thank you so much. We're, we're uh, suggesting resentment, forgiveness, resentment, forgiveness. How on earth would you apply that to uh, your, your
0: molester? Yeah. Good question, Robin. So I did a, a four-step and was directed. What's that? Repeat the question. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so how do you do forgiveness around molestation? Robin had asked. And... Um, Uh, so did a four column this was the first direction i would gotten right was doing the 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 four column inventory so the you know the the three columns are on page 67 and the fourth column it's talked about in prose on 67 where it says find your part so you know the three columns so I resent let's just call him Tom I resent Tom molested me when I was a kid because the big book takes the story out of it that's what the columns are about take the story out of it because story is about one thing and I know this I'm a writer Aristotle taught us this. Story is to get you on the ride with me. I want you on the ride with me. I want you on my team. But the problem is, remember, chronic slippers, chronic victims, chronic liars. And it is so easy to be a victim around um, molestation. Why? Because you were victimized. Right? I was 10. He was 50. It wasn't a fair fight. I was victimized. However... For me, I can't keep running with that because the world will then continue to give me opportunities to be a victim. It will. It rained on my outdoor wedding day. (laughs) Right? Victim. No, no, no. I love rain. I love rainy weddings. I've been to them. I didn't like my own rainy wedding, but... (laughs) But I like your rainy wedding. But, so I had to get out of this. So that's what the big book inventory does. Takes you out of the story. So I resent Tom. molested me when I was a kid. Affects me in all these areas. But then that fourth column says to me, find out where you're fearful, selfish, and dishonest. Well, it was easy to see where I was fearful. So I'm sitting down doing a fifth step with this sponsor. And this was the big ticket item, top of the list. Easy to see where I was fearful. But the selfish and dishonest. I said, no, I wasn't selfish and dishonest. And she said, well, and again, have this real loving relationship with a sponsor because that's my job to both be loving and get you committed to the idea of taking action. So we have a real loving relationship because we've gotten to the fifth step. And she said, you know that I know that this was wrong that this happened to you, right? You get that, that I, I understand that this shouldn't have happened to you. And I said, yes, I do. And she said, is it... Is it possible that continuing to live with this and be so present with this about the idea that this horrible thing happened with you, is it possible that that's selfish? Because maybe it's keeping you from life. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know about that. And she said, tell me about the relationships you've had with men. <laughs> Every ex-boyfriend I had up to that point would have crossed the street had he saw me coming. I made, I made every man in my life, for those 15 years, because I was 25 when I was reading this fifth step, I made for 15 years, I made every man pay the price for what Tom had done to me when I was 10. Well, that's selfish, right? I made my father pay brothers, friends, college professors. Anybody, and I'm not kidding about the ex-boyfriends. They all went running out the door, and hopefully they're not going for a gun. <laughs> right? They went running out the door. I did a number on them. As soon as you said I love me, I love you, it was like I remember when, You know, my fiance, I had a college fiance, died. But um, I remember the first time he said he loved me, I just thought <laughs> mistake. Right? I made them all pay. Well, that was selfish. So I saw that. And then, for the dishonesty, she said, Is there anybody that you need forgiveness from? Have you ever done anything to hurt anybody? Well, of course I had. She said, Well, since we know that a resentment, right, is a $2 word for I don't forgive you, asshole. <laughs> That's what a resentment is. So, if you need people to forgive you isn't it dishonest that you wouldn't be forgiving Tom and she was asking these loving questions with no agenda right can't make somebody get something thank you but I got it I got it and after that Robin like everything shifted everything shifted and then we went on to step eight and nine and did the, she had me write a letter. She said, don't worry, you're not going to send it to him. But there are four components to the letter, she said. Um, Dear Tom, I forgive you for having molested me when I was 10. Please forgive me for not having forgiven you for 15 years. That's the part I was responsible for. I wasn't responsible for what Tom did, but I was responsible for not having forgiven him for 15 years. Um, and then she said, write something nice about Tom. Because when somebody's done something horrible, right, we see them through like this, right? Through This is all they did, right? It's right there. That's what Tom did. That's not all Tom is. If I move my hand away, Tom was somebody's friend, somebody's husband, somebody's bowling partner, my dad's, right? I mean, he he was a lot more than that, as I am more than my worst moments and the worst things that I've done. That's not all that I am. So... And then she said, fourth thing, sign off as high as you can go. And there's nothing higher than love. Sign Love Sheila if you're so inclined. If not, sincerely. But um, she said it's all going to come out in the wash at the end. You'll get there at some point. Um, but see where, you, see where you land. So I wrote that letter, signed off Love Sheila, and she had me put a copy in my God box. And then she um, asked me if I wanted to make a copy, and she put it in her God box. And everything shifted. And now, years later, not only have I, just about everybody who ends up coming to me for sponsorship has had that experience, right? Just about all my sponsors have been molested. And I've sponsored men because I sponsor men and women because that wasn't an issue in the Midwest. And it's not an issue for me. And it's not an issue for my husband that I sponsor men. Um, And I'm not going to say no to somebody who's, you know, going to die because they're a man. But um, I've sponsored men who, one guy was kind of a serial molester, and I listened to his doorstep, and saw him with the eyes of love, just the. I, and that's God. That's not me. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress upon you what happens when we do this. I saw that man with the eyes of love, hugged him. Took us three days to do it, right? And um, not. It wasn't all that it wasn't all those stories right but that was the those were the big ticket items but um, just could see him with the with the eyes of real love that's recovery not being a size six that's that's what I wanted but I didn't know that when I came here but that I have been turned inside out that that was how it landed for me in terms of forgiveness with that yep and then everything else was cake um not cake <laughs> <laughs> right frosting frosting Yes.
1: Uh, you describe recovery with and without abstinence. Mm-hmm. If you think there's anything that others could learn from, could you describe the difference between recovery with and without abstinence?
0: Well, I would say just get working on the steps. You know, I I've, I've did a workshop and a guy came up to me and sobbing afterwards. And he was talking about and you'd asked about your question. Her question was asking about recovery with and without abstinence. And he was sobbing, asking if I'd sponsor him. And I said, OK, I said, you, you don't have a sponsor now, because that's always what I ask people. Right. People call and say, oh, what do you think about this? I said, well, what does your sponsor say? He said, no, I do have a sponsor. I said, why, why, why are, why are you not working the steps with him? He said, well, he won't let me work the steps until I get abstinent. And. This man was sobbing at a workshop. And again, none of this, I get it that none of it is my business. Your relationship with your sponsees are not my business. I understand that. But I got to tell you, just out of that idea of your relationships with your sponsors. i don't understand saying to somebody that you got to get absent before we can work the steps i've heard lots of people say my sponsor says i need to get 30 days of absence before i can start on the steps how do you get 30 days of ab- it's a 12 step i don't want to yell because there's a morning, but it's a 12 step that's why i'm here if i could get abstinent without the step work you know what i'd do i'd write a book I'd make a lot of money. I'd blow kisses, right? Not only am I getting out of the boat, I'm getting out of the harbor. I'm going inland. And I'm going to make big money, probably be Oprah's best friend, and just be done with this. I'm powerless. I don't understand that. So my, my answer to your question is just work the steps with them. They're getting abstinent and sorting that out. That's God's business. That is God's business. Now you got to be honest. Can't lie about it. Don't lie about your food. If you're going to lie about something, lie about something really cool. Say you went to Harvard Medical School, right? <laughs> Say you're Julia Roberts' cousin. But don't lie about your food. You know, so so that just work the steps. Make it a safe place where they can, you know, honestly report their food. Is my that's my experience. I think we're are we done? We're done.